Actually, honestly, I, I would I would tell you the honest truth. Today? Oh, wait, uh, what day is it on that stash? Well, I had a full facial hair going on for like a week and a half. Um, and then I just shaved it into a mustache today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Direct a Podcast. Or as your kids are calling it these days, D2P. I'm Kurt Schneider. And I'm Ken Wetzel. And a big thank you to our two sponsors, the Eightfold Collective and Film Supply. Film Supply is a full-service licensing agency that houses incredible, highly curated footage by myself and hundreds of other filmmakers. If you're looking for footage to fill the gaps or just building treatments and need inspiration, check out filmsupply.com. And today we're chatting with... Jonathan Debien. Better known as Joe Deb. You didn't want to try to pronounce that? or uh, We'll leave that to the pros. Jodeb is known for his boundary-pushing visuals. Hailing from Quebec, he has brought his unique style to many pieces, such as his 21-minute short film that he recently did for the artist Skrillex. Oh, hey, um, also, we got we got social media now. Yeah, let's, uh, tell, let's tell people about social media. We have a... Uh, have you guys heard of Instagram? Yeah, Instagram... It's kind of like Foursquare. It's, what is our name? Our name is, it's direct, the number two podcast um, on Instagram. And then also we have a website and it's, and it is also direct, the number two podcast. Put a .com after it and you're there. That's a URL, bud. And then also, if you want to find Keenan on Instagram, you can go to Keenan Wetzel and that's it my name and then if you want to find me it's kurt schneider and then there's a, an underscore after it because somebody already had that so that's how you can find us so here you go joda jonathan thanks for being with us today oh my pleasure let's kick it off what what one movie kind of stands out to you? Uh, maybe growing up was the film you watched the most, or what kind of had the biggest impact on you as a child? Yeah, it's a really tough question. Um, it's actually the toughest question in the world to ask me because <laughs> uh, I feel I feel like they always change. Uh, I think I mean for a long time I was like, oh yeah, I really loved Gladiator, you know, by Ridley Scott and um, because when I, I was like maybe 12 when I watched it, uh, not 12, yeah, 12, 13. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then I watched it again, like a couple of months ago. And I was like, whoa, this is whack, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> this, is, this is so different from what I remember. And then I was like, oh, I cannot, I cannot call it my favorite movie anymore, you know. <laughs> um, so it's very difficult. It changes a lot. I don't know. I just watched Sicario a few days ago. Um by Denis Villeneuve and uh, and I thought it was awesome you know and I loved it and yeah I don't know I it, it's strange I'm not a film guy you know I don't watch that many movies um I don't know I don't exactly know what my favorite medium is either but I definitely have a hard time putting my finger on on a favorite filmmaker or fa- favorite film but I do really enjoy really well crafted films though it's not like I I like all kind of movies I really love the the craft of it right so you're not really a, a film guy, or maybe you are, but what got you into making films and making videos? Um, yeah, you know what? I think I was a bit of a geek when I was young, but I still wanted to hang out with the cool guys. 
and I still wanted the girls to think I'm cool, but I still wanted to play video games and mess around with computers, and I played with my Legos until I was 15, you know, and nobody knew about it because I was trying to hide it, but I've played Legos for a long time. So for some reason, it feels like filmmaking just naturally happened because it kind of mixed technologies, storytelling, friends, like uh, developing relationships and technical stuff and mathematics, which I really liked. But I didn't, you know, I, I really wanted to do science when I was a kid. But then at the same time, I was I needed to express something also as an artist. So loving all these fields, uh, I realized that filmmaking was probably the place where all of them merged the, the most. That makes any sense? Yeah. And I was like 14 when I decide, decided that because I, I did a couple of films with uh, my parents' camera. And right away, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But then I didn't know it would really happen. And then it happened. I just, I just never stopped. Like, I never had any other job. Literally, I just started as a filmmaker doing uh, corporate videos when I was 16 and just never stopped. So did, did you study it in school? No, I tried to. I wanted to. I applied to Concordia Film School in Montreal, and they turned me down. And I was devastated for a day, had some ice cream, and then <laughs> was like, fuck it, I'm just going to buy a, a camera and start making music videos. And a few weeks later, I was shooting a music video with friends, with my friends, which are still really good friends of mine today. It was like, I don't know, uh, 13 years ago. And, um, and, uh, and the music video got on Much Music in Canada, which was a huge deal. Um, cause back then I was not even speaking English at all. And, uh, and as you know, Quebec is a French speaking, um, province and, um, and having our stuff playing all over Canada was, was a very, very big, big deal. And I got noticed by some people in Toronto. So basically fuck film school. That's what I, that was my initial, uh, perception of it, you know? Mm. And, uh, that's how I approached everything from, from that moment. I'm not saying it's not good for other people. It's just that. When I got turned down, I did not try a second time. I was like, nah, not, not going to start playing that game. I just don't, I just want to shoot, you know? And right. That's what I, I did. So, so you grew up in, uh, in Quebec. How did that kind of inform your voice and uh, your filmmaking style? And just how was it like growing up in Quebec as a filmmaker? It's very interesting because I'm very interested in politics. I mean, just as a, I mean, I, I like to, to, you know, I'm interested in politics, but I'm not super informed by it. And as you probably know, like Quebec wanted to separate for a long time from Canada, and there's still mm -hmm. a political party that wants to separate from Canada, um, stating that we have a uh, a different culture and everything. Um, so, in a way, uh, when you grew up in Quebec, you definitely you definitely grow up knowing that you have a, a special identity. Well, I wouldn't use special. I would say different identity from the rest of North America. and um, But at the same time, I really – I like to think about it a lot. But at the same time, I don't have a clear answer how that's, that affects my voice. But I think – I think it's strange. I feel like I'm always pissed. You know, I, I'm a grumpy kind of dude, you know, like not, <laughs> not like I'm not fun to work with. I th well, maybe I'm not. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I think – I think everything I want to create, like every time I feel like I have something to say, every time I try to to apply my own ideas to a project, it always comes out of frustration, you know? Um, 
Because I feel like in frustration, you have a, a confrontation. And from confrontation, there's always a story to tell, you know, there's always something to say about, you know, and anyway, so to make it simple, I feel like, I feel like the Quebecers are a bit of a frustrated nation, you know? Um, <laughs> so maybe, but that's just me saying that, you know, so that's, right. that's how I feel about it. So you're known for, you're known for your visual effects and your strong visual effects in a lot of your pieces. Um, and for doing them yourself, what what would you say got you into that? How did you kind of open the door of the VFX world? Well, I'm trying to close these doors as much as I can now. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little because, time consuming. Uh, well, there's that. There's definitely that, and there's a lot of things about it. But uh, I think uh, in the beginning, and it still applies today for a lot of my projects. I yeah, I had, no, I had nobody else to help me out, you know, and uh, and I grew up in a small town, and I, I I just learned everything by myself, all the softwares, like a geek, I knew how to edit, I learned how to use After Effects, Photoshop, all this stuff, I knew how camera were, were working really well by the time I was 18, you know, so 18 years old, so... Um, so technically, I felt like I had all the tools very early, I mean, all the tools... It's a matter of speaking. Of course, I, I, I'm still learning a lot about the techniques today. But um, yeah, I think it's just out of necessity, just because I had to. Um, and by and ten years later, I still do them because on my projects, the the, the on a lot of my personal projects, the the, the budgets are are not super great and. I, I don't like asking for too many favors. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. I think I'm kind of good at it, so <laughs> I still do it when I can. Um, but I'm I'm trying really hard to focus on just being a, a, a more of a normal film filmmaker, just just for the sake of being more focused on story, on stories and characters. So your earlier films, you were doing a lot of the visual effects. How about like on the process of non-believer? Like, or how how hands-on are you on a film like that with the visual effects? Uh, non-believer is a great is a good counter example of what I've done before. Uh, it goes with what I just said. Uh, a lot of the effects I did before took a long time, like you said before. It's very, it, it took months. It drained all my energy. It didn't make a lot of money out of it, and and it was it was difficult with artists and clients to convince them. I was lucky enough though to have to be surrounded by great people, great producers, and also work with uh, people at the labels that were nice enough to, to understand the process. But it was like I had to educate everybody every time on that. Mm -hmm. I had to explain them like, look, it's going to be long. It's going to be difficult to, ex to, to get exactly what I promised because things always change and all that stuff. So, uh, so non-believer is one of those projects where it was my first time working in the UK with my new company, Pretty Bird, with a new label, new commissioner, and an artist I really respect, London Grammar. I really love them. So, mm -hmm. and they only had three weeks to do the old thing, and I never ever did all the VFX myself under uh, that short amount of time. So I just really prepared myself this time and really took it seriously. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna shoot, edit do the VFX and deliver in under a month. And I did it. And I had uh, some help from one of my good friends, Paul, 
Paul Laberge from Quebec, which is uh, Quebec City, who's, uh, who has been uh, helping me out on pretty much all my projects. Um, but still, we're just two guys, you know. And uh, But I do most of the VFX on these projects. So, so yeah, the process is pretty straightforward. I literally just use the, 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 the most efficient technique I know, which is matte painting. I, uh, I, w- I went on a trip in, New- in, uh, in Iceland right before the shoot on vacation and then I was like, oh shit, I should use, a- I, should- I should shoot some stills, you know, for-, for-, for that project. And I just did it and I had some nice clouds, nice waterfalls and landscapes. And, um, and yeah, I went from there. But matte painting is very easy for me, or at least it goes really fast. Um, so I just decided to focus on one technique and apply it to the whole thing. So you seem to have like a a, a very nice merging like uh, or sense of like beauty and visual effects in kind of a surrealistic world. Um, to me, it seems like like Darren Aronofsky, something like uh, the stuff he does. Um, are there any filmmakers that stand out to you? I know you mentioned it's hard to name name any, but are there any filmmakers that, st- that have kind of informed your like current voice? Um, yeah, well, uh, Darren Aronofsky, that's, that's a nice compliment because I, I really love him uh, and I really love his work. Uh, I haven't seen Mother yet, though. I haven't either, uh, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, that's one of the, I mean, he's a really recent, I mean, it's always the same. I feel, I feel like, I think, I think I, I like to think that my style is a combination of classic stuff, like uh, classic filmmakers, like, uh, um, Apocalypse Now with uh, hell, I forget his name, Coppola and uh, all these guys and Scorsese, you know, uh, even Steven Spielberg, you know, all of these classic filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, I think they inform a lot of uh, maybe the technical aspect of things. You know, I think I really look, um, I really like these filmmakers, uh, uh, even. Um, uh, Nicholas Wendell Refn uh, with Drive and all these kind of even these these newer guys. I mean, I, I like that they care about the craft, you know. And I think that's that's where I take my technical inspiration, like my desire to have uh, to make sure that the technique goes along the ideas, you know. Really make sure that as much as I can, things are relevant. That's 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 how these guys inspire me. Um, but. But, but again, I have a lot of personal stuff to say, so I just mix, the, uh, mix them up, you know, like mm-hmm. I mix what I saw before and I really can't, I'm not the type of guys who show up on set and say, all right, today we're going to do a scene that looks like this other scene from that other movie. I, 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 I could not do that. Like, I know Tarantino and Scorsese, that's how they work. And I'm like baffled by that. I'm like, wow, how, I don't, I don't know how to do that, you know, um, but yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, uh. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think your work has a very specific tone and a very specific voice behind it. I think, uh, like, I think you've gotten yourself to the point where people can see your work and and know that it's you. And I think that's, I mean, that's a huge compliment. So yeah, I, of course. Thanks. Um, how, I guess, two part question: How important you th- do you think it is as a director to kind of uh, establish your own voice and and then the second part would be how how were you able to do that and was that was it a conscious effort or is it something that it's just this is what you like and you continue to do what you like um i think again it's out of necessity um 
I, if I could, I would be a, a musician. I mean, I say I could because I feel like music is such a is is another very difficult medium, and it's so difficult to get out there, you know. So, right. but I th I think it, it, it's a very cinema is a very hard process, like uh, music videos or commercial. It, everything is very heavy. It takes time and everything. But I feel like since I'm a very patient and geeky dude, I think that since I don't know. My, all my friends that were skateboarders, uh, musicians, and all that—they were really, really good at it. And I've always been really bad at improvisation and performance, li live performance, and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! My—the way I can stand out from all my friends is to use what nobody dares to try, which is taking your time, you know. And um, and by taking my time, I feel like I still kind—even let's say one morning I wake up and I'm. I'm pissed at something or or I feel emotional about something and I want to make a, a piece about it. Well, I feel that when you, you work hard to establish a vision, you're able to carry that emotion all throughout the process. And I think that's what I'm able to do. Um, and I think that's what all filmmakers have to be able to do. Um, so I think if you respect that little impulse you had at the beginning and you keep it alive all throughout the project, I guess that's what you can call a voice, um, but that's that's spontaneous to me. I don't think about it because there's so much bullshit you have to deal with. Yeah, there's so many things that are that is going to be in your way. That at some points it's like you're in a crowd and you're the bodyguard of your own idea, and you have to make the crowd go away and just let you go and like let you go forward. You know, it's like it, that's how I feel about filmmaking. It's like you have to make your way through the chaos. And in the end, make it dance, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess, yeah. So kind of talking about those uh, those different obstacles, uh, you recently be, be, uh, started directing commercials, correct? Um, yeah, yeah. And what has that been like? What is that kind of, that kind of transition from narrative and, and music videos to kind of commercial? Uh, commercials are weird. I, done, I did a lot of commercials uh, locally in Montreal when I was uh, 21. Mm. Uh, and... It really made me bitter, you know, like I really did not like it. Um, and I guess because it now I realize it's probably because here, uh, since it's a it's a different market, my kind of ambitions really, really don't fit within like the market here in advertising. So I just let it go for a couple of years. And then I signed with Pretty Bird a year ago. And, um, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to try commercials again. Um, because they definitely have a, uh, there's definitely a potential with them to really have more ambition in commercials. Um, so yeah, I, the, the, the first job I, I pitched with them in the U S was that Adidas job and I landed it and I was like, Oh shit, it's, <laughs> that's, that's sweet. <laughs> and I was very happy about it because it was a fun process. I mean, it was it was very difficult to really get the result I wanted. I'm happy people like the commercial in the end. Well, at least that's what I've been told. Like people had great reaction around me, but um, but still, it was definitely far from what I wanted to do. And but it's commercial, you know. That's how it is. Like you you deal with a lot of people, and as a director, especially me, which is very junior, and that. Uh, I'm happy that they allowed me to do a lot of my ideas because I, they basically had me write a lot of the ideas 
And honestly, the agency were nice enough to pretty much leave all the ideas I brought in. So my concerns were more about editing and all that crap, you know, mm -hmm. um, because I'm used to edit my own stuff uh, in music videos and short films and ultimately in feature films I'd like to edit as well. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. But it's, you know, it's, it's funny. Commercials are not as difficult as I used to think, uh, probably because I'm, I'm older and I, I'm, I understand much more the bigger picture. Um, but I've, I, but, but now it's music videos that I tend to hate because <laughs> I feel like music videos are very limited now. I, very strange. Like there's so many of them now, but it's very hard now to convince people to do the ideas I want to do. And, and somehow I feel like it's going to sound very pretentious, but I sound like an, I feel like an adult now. And when I deal with labels and artists, I feel like I'm dealing with kids and teenagers that are just there to to fucking wear their hands and, and tell the whole planet they exist, you know, which I don't give a fuck much more you know, that, that, <laughs> anymore. Like, I don't give a fuck about that anymore. And, 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 uh, and when I deal with artists, it's always like, yeah, but, you know, your idea is cool, is cool but, but as a band, we don't want to show that. And I'm like, what? I don't give a fuck, dude. You want, you want attention and say something or you just want to, I don't know. Anyway, so that's the kind of struggle I have right now with music videos. Yeah. Whereas now advertising fits a bit more where my head is at. But right now I'm writing a, a film script and I'm developing a web series, uh, which I cannot talk about because it's it's under uh, uh, it, it's confidential work. But that's much more. That's what I want to do. You know, I want right. to make films. So, so that's what I'm. What, one more one question about the Adidas spot, just just because I'm curious, something that's that that gritty and kind of raw feeling. I'm curious, what did that look like when you? Like, what did the board look like? Was it, it that gritty and raw from the agency's intentions? Or is that that look on it something that you really brought to it? Uh, well, truth be told, I mean, this was their second year doing that campaign, uh -huh. which was which on the first year they did it with uh, Terrence Neal, which is a, a filmmaker I love. Um, and then they did that second on the, uh, and this year they decided to keep on doing that same campaign, but just remix it with new visuals and new ideas. Yeah. And I believe Terrence was supposed to do the Chinese part of it. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but, but in the end they needed to have another filmmaker, uh, fill in, uh, and, and, and do the, the Chinese version of it. So, um, but still Terrence did the American part. I did the, the Chinese part. Um, and, um, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, I was, I was just curious. Like, oh yeah. The board, you, you were asking yeah. me how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So, um, so, so there was already something there uh, you know, I was just continuing something that was already right. started. And for some reason, I think it was a bit in line with some of my recent work. Mm -hmm. So I think it just happened naturally. Um, and they had Tom Poole, the great colorist, uh, do the colors and, and the guys from the agency are really sweet. Like I, I really, I really, really liked work, working with them. Like they really respected what I wanted to do, and and they really made me feel like there was hope in advertising for me. <laughs> like oh, there are people which with which I can with whom I can really connect, you know. And and that that was great for that. So the board was, I would say, uh, it was was like any board. Like it had ideas. And it was very messy, but at the same time, it was a great opportunity to bring my own ideas. And my treatment was uh, 
I, I brought. I think my treatment was in line with the final product. But once we got in China, there was so many crazy shit happening. Uh, thing you know, things you wouldn't believe, things I cannot really tell, and <laughs> really crazy shit. And um, and um, and that also kind of uh, form uh, gave a flavor to the whole thing in the end. <laughs> um, but yeah. And uh, yeah. So, ca- so kind of switching over to your uh, your film work. Uh, your film uh, "Learn First World Problems" just released uh, as the short of the week on Vimeo. Uh, can you talk about that film a bit and kind of how that 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 project came about? Yeah, well, that one started as a music video for an artist called um, Croy in Montreal from Milk and Bone. Uh, check them out; they're they're really good. Uh, she she has a, a, a awesome voice and. Um, and she literally really wanted me to do something similar to another video I did, which is called uh, Life in Grey for a band called Point Point. And she really loved that video. And she's like, oh, I want something like this, you know. Uh, but, you know, she really loved it and wanted something similar. So the way I took it is, oh, I'm going to do a sort of a, uh, a trilogy of that those kind of films. Um, because I, I still want to do a third one in that world. But learn is like the second one of them anyway so i had my own little plan based on that project so uh, so we shot it and she was into it about everything she had the the script with the dialogues and everything she was okay with it being a sort of a short film but when when she saw the film i she did not like it she she was like oh um that doesn't work for me and blah 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 and I, I was not frustrated at it because I really respect her. And I think she just felt like there was not much of her other than her music and that. And I, th- I think she felt like it was not representative of her and maybe much more of me or at least the idea I wanted to portray. So so basically, I gave her the footage and I said, OK, just pick an editor and do the music video you want. And But in exchange, can you just give me the rights so I can make turn this into a short film and just release it wherever I want and... So they said yes to that, which was very nice of them. Mm-hmm. She even came to the little screening we did in Montreal a couple of months ago, and she loved it, and there's no, like, big... Everything is cool. Um, so that's how the thing evolved. But then on my end, what I wanted to do with that film is w- I wanted to continue on doing uh, music video hybrids that were more like films than music videos, and um, like I did with Skrillex. So I just mm-hmm. uh, wanted to do... Uh, something in that same vein and then i just went with it and fully go at it so you still have the sense that it had it has some music video elements in it because it was a music video in the first place very cool is, is it hard to pitch those i those kind of film films that are uh, both film and music video to to musicians and labels uh, or do you, are you it, find it easier and easier no it's tougher and tougher because in both cases, which is Skrillex uh, and Wewek and this one for Croy, uh, which is now Learn, um, I had to be sneaky. <laughs> I kind of had to not really tell them what I was going to do, you know, and, and, I'll, and, and I don't like doing that, you know, and it's, it's kind of tough because you live with a sort of stress where you really take a chance that they might not like it. Even the Skrillex piece, I think Skrillex wanted to shelve it in the first place, honestly. Hmm. I think he, he did not like it. And by the way, this piece really changed my whole life. Like, uh, just changed everything. It just got me a uh, uh, management and feature film and all that kind of shit. You know, like yeah. so. So it's funny that when you think about it, they wanted to shelve it. And I know now he's really proud of it. Even Kanye West showed up at the premiere. It was was a very big deal. But um, 
But back then it was like, oh no, that's not working, you know? And, and I had to fucking, I, I had to wait for a month uh, waiting to hear back from Skrillex if he was going to release it or not. And it was, it was very, very stressful because I did, I just put like five months on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it just went all in, in all in, in the old different direction. Like I was like, Hey, let's do a premiere in LA. It was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do a premiere. And then all of a sudden he was very excited. And I was glad that he could see the potential of the project. But I think some other people really helped me convince him. People that I don't know, but I think some people from the label liked it and kind of were like, no, no, let's use that. You know? Anyway, so yeah, it's a fight every time. And that's why now I feel a little better having representation in feature films and, and that kind of stuff. Because now I, I, I have conversation that are much more filmmaking oriented with people. You know, I can talk to a producer and talk about characters and not talk about fucking like, Oh, am I going to look cool? You know, like that kind of shit, you know, like, but it's much nicer. And I get to read scripts. I get to work on the script right now. Even if I'm not financed to do it, I, I now have the confidence that at least some people are going to read it, which makes a big difference. That's, that's the big difference I found with starting to, talk to Hollywood people and film people because you get the sense that, oh, now if I write a script, at least five or six uh, key figures are going to read it and at least it's going to be considered. Um, anyway, so that's that. So, so that's why I'm trying to make hybrids. I try to sell them still, but I always get a solid no uh, pretty much every time. Like London Grammar, my plan was to... And I told that I told that to the band. I was not so sneaky, but I did that first video with them, trying to because they really liked my VFX work. So I just did something that I thought would please them. But honestly, I just all I wanted to do was a film, and I didn't want to do any VFX or anything. But then I was like, oh, I love the music, and I want to get a bit known in the UK market. So I just did it. And then they were like, oh, let's do a second video together because the first one was awesome and everything went perfect. And I'm like, all right. Let's do a film. And then they were like, uh, no. <laughs> so I was like, fuck this, you know. But I, I'm not mad at anybody there. I mean, it was it was, it was was just the same drill where everybody was like, no, but we just want a music video that represents our thoughts, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's difficult for a guy like me who has a lot of opinions dealing with bands. The only way now to really make something is if it's fucking flashy and good looking and that's all that matters to them. That's not what matters to me. So a theme I've I've noticed in a majority of your films were uh, at least seems like a majority uh, at least the work you show are like female leads. Uh, is this is something that you're aware of or in a perspective you like to explore? Or, um, you know, are they just the yeah, films now, that you want to tell? So, so yeah, but now it's a conscious move, and all the projects I'm working on right now are all female leads. Like the ones I'm writing, even my script. Like one day I sat that I sat down and I wrote I started writing a script. And fucking hell was a woman, you know, <laughs> I, I just can't help it. I mean, it's just uh, because I feel like my thoughts as a man are not interesting if they are uh, portrayed by a man. That's how I feel, because an instance for uh, in the learn film, it, it's about performance. It's about pressure, social pressure, uh, how people now behave because of social medias. So it's all little frustrations that to me would sound a bit, I don't know, would sound, I feel like it's my dad talking, you know? Mm. It's like, ugh, it's not so interesting. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna put in a context that is more 
appealing and intriguing, you know, because females are very intriguing to me. I don't know them, so I want to know them <laughs> uh, through films. And yeah, that's so anyway, so I have my process, but at the same time, I'm conscious of it. And I, I, I'm realizing that the more I do it, the more it comes with a sort of responsibility. Like uh, for the learn film, I had some people calling it misogynist. And I was like, oh, shit, that's not where I want to go. You know, that's not, that's not what I thought it would be. So maybe now that I've, I have always, always have female leads, it comes with a responsibility. So, uh, yeah, in the future, I will be more careful about that. You know, the, there's the saying, like, write what you know. What what is what would be your your response to that statement? Uh, well, in pre-production, yeah, not in there. But well, if, one thing that needs to, to one thing that is sure, I, I don't have an extensive exper- experience as a writer. It's it's a bit yeah. of a new thing for me. I just started last year, uh, out of nowhere. I mm-hmm. just decided to write this thing for Skrillex. Like, I, I, actually, they were not even aware I was going to write dialogues. I just surprised them when they saw the edit. And that's what I meant by being sneaky earlier. Like I just decided, okay, today I'm a writer. Fuck everything. <laughs> I just decided out of the blue to write a, a, a script when I was in Thailand. Uh, I had the idea, but I just wrote dialogues for it. And uh, so, so now that I said that, it also means that right now I'm kind of discovering what writing is. Um, so when you say write about what you know, I, I mean, I totally get what it means. But I, I don't feel experienced enough to maybe give you a, 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 a clear response, a, a clear right. answer to that question. But but I feel like it's true because uh, you, you, you get you get to feel that things are off really quickly um, uh, when you read it. And the other thing that I heard a lot about is just read it out loud, and then you know right away that it sounds stupid or not. Um, but but to me it's like it's like when how I learn filmmaking I just do it by instinct and and again I kind of approach it in a way that is about the technique and structure first. I want to make sure that if I write something it has a structure. I'm just not going to write dialogues for no reason. I want to make sure that it goes somewhere. Um, so uh, but but yeah, concerning having females involved in the writing right now it had it did not happen mm-hmm. and actually i'm worried a little bit because uh, i'm working on a on, on a project right now where it's all female leads and this time it's very feminist and it's only men involved and right now in the process and i thought a lot about it especially with with everything that's happening in the world and hollywood uh you know f- you know with yeah. all these things about we uh, rv weinstein and all these things, you know, so I'm like, oh shit, that's kind of weird. You know, we're, we're, we're working on something that should be about female empowerment, but we're, we're all men, you know, and that, that's kind of weird, but it, but it doesn't mean I I don't think it's possible. Um, But I just, I just do it. The other thing is you just do it and you see what happens. I think there's a part of me that really wants to explore like, like the film I'm going to release that, that is really the, the the learn film. Uh, I learned first world problems. I really, want to hear about what the girls think about it and if i hear like oh yeah it's fucking cliche and all that shit i'll be like okay yeah well but that the other, the other thing is a lot of my work is satirical the reason why i i also want to be a filmmaker is because i, I don't think anybody understand my sense of humor like i i don't really i'm not able to be really funny when i want to be funny because i think my sense of humor is really dark so i think these films i are are all jokes to me <laughs> it's like all, all little jokes, like sat, uh, satire. Like, like it's 
supposed to be satirical but i know people don't see it this way they take it as a drama but yeah still... i could i could see the comedic moments in that in the skrillex piece though like there's there's definitely some like comedic moments in that yeah i think so i mean it's it's like I don't know. It's a bit stupid to decide to just leave everything behind this way, the way they do it. To me, it was very funny. Like they go, because like, oh, how, how do they leave the city? Well, they just steal a boat. <laughs> yeah. But I think I thought it was funny. Like, fuck it, let's steal a boat, you know? And it's a bit of a stupid idea. It doesn't mean the girls are stupid, but it means that the way they approach it is stupid. Right. And I, where did, where did the, where did the idea come from on that? It was, was there any, was there any, uh, ideas already existing and you evolved them or was that, was that all just your idea? It was fairly simple. The label, well, uh, back then I just finished that point point video I did and it was with the same label Hausler and they liked it. So they, they were just like, Hey, uh, here's the, here are three songs. Here's the money write something and you can shoot very soon if you want. I'm like, oh shit, okay. So I just took the opportunity. And the music from Wiwek was very, uh, they just said, make sure to have a jungle element to the old thing. I was like, <laughs> okay. Which was weird because I'd never been in the jungle. I'm like, oh. At first I was like, fuck this. I'm not sure I want to do it. But then I was like, oh no, let's go in, the, in an Asian, like let's go to Vietnam or something like that and just have these kids uh, thinking that it's better. You know, You know how... You know, you know how everybody thinks it's better elsewhere. You know, like the you talk to Asian people, and oftentimes they, they see America as a great place. You know, but right or, or Canada or whatever. But in the end, you feel like, wait, I thought it was great here. You know. So anyway, so I so I was like, oh, I just want to have these kids like being careless and living dark situations, looking real. You know, like as real as possible, and just want to say fuck this and have it end in a sort of a not fantastical place but esoterical place you know something that feels otherworldly so anyway so yeah i just started writing the story of three girls uh leaving the city i did not i did not want it i did not think of thailand and bangkok in the first place but that just came naturally after because it made it made a lot of sense for production right um but yeah it just came out of nowhere i mean to me it was a very simple premise was a bit of at first it was a bit of a road trip happening on the sea. My first idea was I wanted the girls to leave on a on a huge boat and just cross the Atlantic. Uh, I'm sorry, the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that was the idea, but then I realized there was no way we could shoot on those big boats. So I was just like, oh, they just take a little boat then and <laughs> just uh, reach the jungle or. Because that's the other thing. You don't. You don't. It's not even possible in Thailand to go from Bangkok to a jungle by boat. You know. Well, you can if you go uh, on the ocean, but it's not even logical. Right. So I just had this little premise and just went with it and was like, "Fuck it." If it's not even realistic, um, yeah, that's the, it's it's art. That's it's art. Yeah. No. Exactly. And and I can assure you that the process was art as well, <laughs> because it. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean it a bit as a joke here because it's, it's I mean, dealing. I mean, at first, I mean, the, the, the Thai production company was fucking fantastic because they made stuff happen for us that was impossible on paper. But at the same time, our first contact with them was really strange. Everything was a yes and then, then became a no when we were a few days before the shoot. So I was like, fuck. You know? <laughs> I thought everything was crumbling. Like everything was, was a disaster. And then... Uh, but, but but then something magical happened with my guys, Vlad and Christoph, my DP, 
and we we were just like oh fuck this just make let's just do the best we can you know and be strong because because we were just about to go back home and just leave everything behind but since we spent like sixty thousand dollars already in pre-pro we're like oh shit we don't have that kind of money <laughs> because i was like to my producer how much would it cost me to go back home and just wrap this project it was like well sixty thousand dollars like oh God, I have to finish this. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the, the crew really impressed us, and the actresses were super generous. They worked really hard for me, and everybody was amazing. And now I want to go back there and shoot some more. And but, uh, but it was a creative process because at every moment I had to, I had a story, I had a precise story, but I had to improvise. Uh, depending on the social aspect or cultural aspect. So, so some scenes I wanted to do were too violent for them, so the crew would refuse to shoot it. Huh. Uh, so I had to make a lot of that sort of decision. And in the end, I really saw it as an artistic process <laughs> because it really uh, was about dealing with limitations. Right. So you touched on this a bit earlier, but is our narrative films uh, what you want to explore long-term? Like what's the what's the future look like for you or... What's kind of the plan? Um, I don't. I mean, my confidence and my 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 will to make filmmaking is very like I see myself doing that for the next thirty years. But how and and what I'm gonna work on, I really do think that it's a day to day basis kind of thing. Um, I, I'm currently writing stories that are again f that are pretty much in line with the Skrillex film. You know, like mm -hmm. I think. I think this gave me, this got me excited about writing simple uh, stories, you know, like simple characters, because these girls are very simple, right? Like a prostitute, a teacher, it's almost cliche. And and they have fairly common struggles. As sad as it sounds, they are common struggles in today's world, you know? So, so I like to take simple premises, uh, which have dramatic potential, and just make it evolve. And honestly, right now, I have a lot of fun just doing that. So I want to keep it simple for now. That's my goal. My goal is just to start making films, whatever they are, as long as they're not shit, you know. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, eager about just jumping on something and learn, you know, because I feel it like a baby right now. I want to learn a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, that's how that's that's how I see uh, my uh, my uh, immediate future. <laughs> Awesome. So last question, what, what's something, you know, now that you wish you would have known starting out some advice or, or just, you could think of it as advice to young filmmakers. Uh, well, it's two questions. I mean, you know what? I, I, uh, I will give you two different answers. The, the first one would be, uh, and there are paradoxes, like it's the, the two of them are opposites. Uh, I, I will simply steal what I heard from another guy, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, I was watching an interview of him. Uh, oh, you know what? I have a third advice. Uh, go on DP30 on YouTube. It's a, it's a channel with shitload of actors talking about their film experience. You have known actors and everything. I learned so much about directing actors on that channel just because I get to, to understand how these actor thinks. It's called DP30 on, on YouTube. It's very, very great stuff there that nobody seems to know about, but it's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. That would be a first advice for people wanting to learn uh, uh, how to, to direct actors uh, without going to school. Um, but anyway, so Paul Thomas Anderson, Anderson said uh, in an interview, he said, you know what? 
just don't give a fuck. <laughs> that was his advice. And, and maybe to make it more precise, I, I feel like what it means is not, do not, it's not about having a, the no fucks given attitude about everything. It's just that uh, when you really believe in something, when you really think it's going to be good, you have to start not giving a fuck I, I, because it's not true that because you need to respect everybody around you. So you, you cannot just be that asshole who thinks who's always right. Right. But, mm. but it's, it, but it's still about being a punk, you know, it's still being about being a skateboarder or, or, or whatever you want, you know, that it's still about, I have an idea and I'm arrogant enough that I think I'm going to make a film and you all motherfuckers, you think it's not going to happen. I'm going to show you it's going to work, you know? So that's the kind of attitude. And that's what mm -hmm. I, I that, that's, that's, that's really important to have that attitude. Not giving a fuck about your, even your inner voice sometimes that can limit you by, you know, is it going to work? And, you know, you really have to not give a fuck and just go forward. Um, if you really think that filmmaking is what's going to keep you alive for all your life. Because if you're just doing it to look cool, it's going to die down really quickly or it's going to be a nightmare. Um, if you, when you, you, when you'll turn 30 and you'll still want to make filmmaking, but in the first place, you just wanted to do this because it was cool and had swag. Well, it's going to be very painful when you get older. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my perception of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even remember what, what was the other advice I had in mind, but, uh, um, but oh, you know man, what? I think that tease us. Yeah, no, you know what? I think that was it. Like not giving a fuck. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's basically. Uh... Oh crap! No. Oh sorry. I, I, you I'm, said it was you know paradoxal. What? Yeah, I know, right? Oh shit! You you you, you guys got me excited. You know, like, I start <laughs> talking about filmmaking and I just go in all directions. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I, I but but still, I mean, I have a, I have a frame on my wall here in French which has. Uh, which is basically it means uh, fuck them all <laughs> uh, and I don't mean anything per anybody personally you know it's just that at some point when you do a project everybody makes you feel like you're wrong you know right. and it's really hard to fight back you know sometimes so I just realized in a moment of passion that was like oh shit I was, I was not on drugs or, on, or, or drunk you know I was literally like wait a minute fuck them all you know I know I'm right, you know, and I just wrote it down on a piece of paper 10 years ago or eight years ago. And, uh, and recently I found it back, you know, it was in some drawer and I just decided to frame it on the wall. <laughs> and, awesome. uh, yeah, that's, and, and I watched it a lot, you know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> I, I, just to make sure I remember how I felt back then, you know, when I was pissed at all the people who wanted to you know, not listen to me. That's it, guys. We're done. Did you have fun? Hope so. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Director, questions? Both new. Sign me up. Bye.